0: Hey! Good morning, good afternoon or good evening to you depending on when you're watching this edition of Hypnosis Week Live. Yes it's me again Alex William Smith better known to some of you, hopefully many of you now, as Jonathan Royal the British bad boy of hypnosis of magicalguru.com. Now if you look below this video you'll already see web links, you may already recognize the gentleman who is on the other side of the screen. If you don't yet recognize him and you've not encountered him yet uh, Don't go looking at the website yet, you can do that after you've watched the interview and found out more about him. Um, I'm going to welcome to the show, he runs a company called the UK Hypnosis Academy. We met sickly in person uh, a few years ago now, um, when he was running an event down in Manchester, not so far from myself in Rochdale, Greater Manchester, although we've connected on the internet for a number of years, so please welcome to the show, Carl Smith. How are you? Hello there.
1: Yeah. How are you?
0: I'm good, buddy. Now look, I this is I ask everyone the same question right at the start. Because the fact is, there was a point when you were not a hypnotherapist or a hypnotist or a whatever mind cut, whatever bloody title you want to give it. Yeah. There was a time when you weren't. We all have a history of background. Um, what was your journey to get here?
1: So so um I'm from a small town called Great Yarmouth in Norfolk, and uh, we used to have a stage hypnotist um, in Great Yarmouth, um, and his name's just eluded me. You'd know him. He's at the Blackpool. Um, Ken Webster. The, Ken Webster. We, Ken Webster used to be our local uh, stage hypnotist uh, in Great Yarmouth, a seaside holiday town. I've been intrigued from about 13, 14 years old, but then it was one of those things of, ah, that's a load of hocus pocus. Anyway, I buried it. Didn't think much of it um i'd seen ken webster a few times but i'd never really gone down the route I, it, it always played in the back of my head and played in the back of my head like you know there was something i was i was intrigued by it but i still didn't know enough i was too young and i just moved away anyway i joined the army I first joined the army when i was 18 and then um, i got unfortunately medically discharged after about a year and then i rejoined back after when i was 21 so i joined the joined the army uh, and then i spent uh 12 years in the military, uh, going to all the places that your local travel agent definitely won't send you to. <laughs> so I did all of those, I did all of those tours, I did all the, all the fun tours and stuff like that, I saw the best and the worst in humanity. Then um, I had had enough of the army, I'd lost too many friends, I'd lost you know, some very good friends uh, in, in in VBID, uh, vehicle-borne ID, IDs and bombs and stuff like that and shot, and I just had enough. And um, I had a young family at the time, and uh yeah so i planned my my escape route and um with a lot of planning i was able to leave the army on a friday and then i rejoin then i joined the civil police uh uk police uh in on the 5th so i left the uh, i left the army on the 3rd of september and joined the police on the 5th of september and then well, started twelve-year. Yeah, yeah so i started a career so yeah so literally i only had one day off i had to drive from where i was based back home unload the car and then reload the car then drive off again but the thing is, is that you know it was really nice. I started a career; it was lovely, and um, and eventually I started getting myself into policing and went on to firearms, and then became a national firearms instructor. So I, I um, I used to teach people not only how to how to do um, firearms, work with firearms, shoot guns, do the tactics that come with um, SWAT or, or firearms, um, UK firearms. As as for those people that are American that may be watching this, I used to teach all that. Um, but what happened was, is it during my career is that i just finished duty. I've just been at a, a place in Suffolk. i have just been down in Suffolk working on guns that day. Uh, I drove home, um, everything was fine. And then the next minute, um, there was a large crash out the front, big dust and shite everywhere, I run outside. And I thought initially there was a blue Mitsubishi Colt uh, that was at about a, about a 40, 45 degree angle, up in the air, up on a brick wall. And I run outside thinking where I live in rural Suffolk um, I thought it was an elderly person had lost control of the car. That was my first instinct, and I was still—I st- was still in my blacks. I was still in my. There's a picture of me, um, it was taken by a neighbour, and you can see me still in my police blacks. I had my black shirt on, my black trousers on. I ran outside. I got to the driver's side, and I realised it was a drink. It was a drink driver, and it was a young lad. And I put my hand through the window, and my first thing is, and I always tell this part because. I, it's what caused or it caused my injuries basically i put my hand through i wrapped my hand around the seat and then what i was trying to do was get him out of the car i really wanted him to stop the wheels from going i was shouting him, i was screaming at him at the top of my voice i made it very clear that i was a police officer i made it very clear stop what you're doing he didn't and he was agitated he was trying to get out of the way and i was hitting him as hard as i could just wouldn't do it but me rocking the car actually caused the next set of events and i mean obviously the tires spinning at a rapid rate front on the front of the car and um, and everything else banging around, plus me shaking shaking the car as well with him in it. The, the car fell down onto the floor. I got trapped underneath the car after I tripped over some rubble. It then dragged me backwards. Um, and then what happened was is that um, I tumbled a couple of times under the car from what I remember. And then um, he realized he was in a cul-de-sac and he reversed up and he couldn't get out. And the only way that he could escape was by coming back the same way. So he hit me again. And the only thing that he did nice on the night and I always put it as a bit of a joke the only thing he did do nice that night was take me back home so he'd, t- he'd take me on a little spin and then he took me back home but I was laying in the middle of the road and I was half naked so th- there is a picture of me um that the neighbor took of me just like half naked laying on the floor with a with a blanket and that over me where all my clothes had been my, my legs had, my, my trousers had been ripped off my shirt had been ripped off me as well partially ripped off and um yeah so uh yeah it went down that way so yeah th- I started on the process of trying to heal myself um you know so obviously I had damage to my legs damage to my lower back um I had damage to my face forearms and my, and my, my arms were, were, were hurt as well but the long story short is is that um what came out of it and um I was just given pregab- pregabalin and tramadol um to to get over the pain I was in plaster casts you know so it was like once I'd been fixed you know cutting this story down there once i once I'd been giving the all clear, went back home and just laid on a couch for the next probably three months, I think it was, chewing on tramadol and pregabalin. And um, what happened was, is that physically I started to fix. But then I started to notice that I'd become habitually caught on tramadol. Anyone knows anything about tramadol? tramadol is a is a horrendous drug you can get hooked on that quite quickly and i did and i got hooked on it and i was going to the doctors arguing with the doctors asking for more tramadol i'd just become a, a drug user to be quite honest um but anyway i started weaning off of that after the doctors realized what had happened so the emotional uh, sorry the the physical pain had started to heal and sort itself out my body had started to repair itself however the next phase was is as i came off the tramadol What was being suppressed by the drugs um, then unleashed the, the emotional torture. And that was what we were then going to be calling post-traumatic stress disorder. And and like we know, post-traumatic stress disorder is not about one issue. It had nothing to do with just that car accident. It had to do with me being in the army, being and, and being involved in all of that stuff, being involved in policing, and all the stuff that had happened there as well. Lots of different things. An accumulation of stress factors. And with the post-trauma, it, that that's where it popped, or that 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 that's where the 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 you know the the noises um, in nineteen. 19- 19. Let me get the year right. I don't want to get any. I don't want anyone listening to this, and I've got it wrong. I think it was 1997 or 98. The Omar bomb. I remember the day that that happened. It was in August, August 1998. And as when when it went off, the we were all we we were. I was on. I just come off night shift, so I was asleep. And there was a bang on the door. Bang 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 bang. the reason I bring that up is because of one of my, what people like to call flashbacks, and I hate that term, but I'm just going to say it for this interview. One of the reoccurring things that was happening to me every night was this bang, 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 bang. That thing from 1998 was coming back and hitting me every night. Every time I shut my eyes, bang, 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 bang. And that's what what happened. Um, So I started to take the tramadol again because I realized if I took the tramadol, then it stopped the naughty noises. But then we realized we couldn't continue down that road. So The police force I was with gave me counselling, and that made it worse. I'm really sorry for psychotherapists out there. I don't mean to psychotherapy bash, but I'm not going to. CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, or Cognitive Behavioural Torture, as I found it, um, just made it's mind
0: rape. It's fucking pointless, CBT. CBT, I call it mind rape. Yeah, it is. Walk it over again. Relive it. Relive it. You'll come to terms with it, fuck off.
1: Well, the way way that I look at CBT is, is that if you put your hand on a hot plate and it's burnt, the way with CBT works is that put your hand on the hot plate again and then you burn it again then you burn it again you burn it again again until all the nerve endings are burnt until eventually you're not left with the 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 initial burn you're left with all the scarring and and loss of everything else and that's that's what CBT did with me and you know at the end of the day I'm not saying that all psychotherapists and all CBT is a crap but the two that I had I probably must have had the worst in the world anyway the, the the key thing is is that is that I've done all those and I just thought for myself this is the end you know and I, and, and the thought process of just ending my life happened as well until one day a, a fellow police officer just said look have you ever tried hypnosis and I and Ken Webster comes back in and I went fuck away not a fucking chance I said I've seen him you know I've seen Ken do this um uh, and make him shit square eggs in great armor for the royalty for crying out loud I don't need that stuff and he, no 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 let me educate you and this is where I uh, this is where I, I, I love sitting nowadays about educating people and uh, on on what really hypnosis is what pure hypnosis is and um he took me away and that one session in one session after he'd educated me it took a couple of weeks for him to get round. I'll be brutally honest but when he did get me I went and oh my god the 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 that came out was unbelievable i mean it was just stuff from my childhood i mean i had a great don't get me wrong i had a great child little things you know little things that just the accumulation of stress factors as you've grown older uh, and as you get older you know things that happened when i was in the army of people that i'd lost or just the compression of shit was just flying out and then all of a sudden the car accident came out (laughs) And uh and the anger behind actually the anger that then it comes back to this psychotherapy thing. This is why I'm very vocal about this. Is that during when I had counselling, the, the therapist said to me, "Tell me how it felt to be run over." I just let that. <laughs> I just let that just let that one roll for a bit, and I, and I got really angry with the person, and not because not because I got really angry, not not. Not because of the situation, not because of being run over, but the stupidity of the question, and, th- and that, that was it. What? Why what, what, do you fucking think it feels to be run over? So anyway, um, the long story short is that's how I got into it. So basically, I, I, I found hypnosis, and I was like a box of Pringles. And for anyone you know knows what Pringles are, once you start, you just can't stop. And I just literally had to keep learning. I had to keep learning. I had to keep watching. I had to keep, and it became a drug until eventually. You know when i was in the police i was still learning when i was in the police, when i met you first um up in manchester i was still serving and i was running courses at the time but well, um I didn't but, realize you were still serving then yeah 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 i've only what, what were you know 2000 i've only been out of the police three years All oh, right. okay yeah 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 so i dug my tunnel while i was in the police and while i was getting a wage i was able to i was able to um to to dig my tunnel and build the company but so what happened was is that i initially went on a course and i went on with a guy called jonathan chase and some of some of you guys may know him as well uh you know he was great to me and i think what happened was is that my confidence from being in the police and being in um in the army as well made me stand out and i think john liked that because obviously you know it's a it's about prestige it's about performance isn't it's about confidence it's about being able to deliver the product, and i was able to do it i've just in my first ever lesson in hypnosis with Jonathan on one of his um, hypnosis weekends, I was just smashing people out, it was mental. Um, and then, so I, I learned with John initially, and then I started a course with, I don't even really want to mention their name, they're that bad, but I am, Chrysalis. I did a course with Chrysalis, an 11 month course with Chrysalis. And the biggest problem was, is that I'd learned more in two days with Jonathan than I did in 11 months with Chrysalis. Mm-hmm. And what it's happened was as
0: Chrysalis, my view is that the course is a shit. But just to clarify, there's some of the people who are doing the training for Chrysalis who are actually very good. Um and they just unfortunately have to follow what Chrysalis tell them.
1: Yeah. Very to outdated teach. material. And
0: they're doing it because they're getting a lot of students and it, it's you know, they've got mortgages and all that. But really they themselves don't particularly no. think you said.
1: No, they, yeah I know and, and the problem was is I've done Jonathan's course and because Christmas would teach and I'm a student this isn't because I, I'm a competing company I was a student so I'm allowed this point of view is mm-hmm. that they um they basically just were teaching very outdated material and the stuff that John had taught me in two days had, had, had really done it but anyway um I came away from that course and they and um obviously uh, I've got my own point of view on that and uh, and uh, Jonathan just Jonathan Chase just said you know Come, work, come help me. So I supported his courses um, and stuff like that, really. So, yeah, I started working with John, uh, and John gave me the opportunity to go to Las Vegas with him. And then all of a sudden, I just became my own name, really, and I, and I grew from that. So, like, when we're ever talking, I mean, I, me and Jonathan haven't spoken for years, but on the same token, I still owe a, a debt of gratitude for, for what he did to get me where I am. And I've just developed into my own hypnotist. So, you know, at the end of the day, there were good times. And and now, you know, what we're looking on. Um, since I've been in my, in this career, since what two thousand and six, two thousand and six was the accident. Two thousand and seven, two thousand and seven is when I first learned EFT was the first thing I really learned because that's like the intro, isn't it? It's like you're learning that type of stuff and TFT. So it must be about two thousand and seven, I think it was two thousand and eight, two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. I started doing this, yeah. So yeah so that that's been my journey And, you know sorry if if people have fallen asleep during that <laughs> but no
0: no I'm sure they won't be
1: um, it's uh, it's um, but that that's that's my journey in that's my journey you know and somebody reached when somebody reached out like Jonathan like, like Ben the first guy the police officer that did it then John reached out they 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 then were able to give me a, a journey and a, a new career and I left the police and and went full-time as a hypnotherapist and I uh, I do nothing but hypnosis as my as my career I have no other incomes except hypnosis and that keeps me focused to able to to just to just make it special in my life so i live breathe eat shit it all day long so that's my job and i love it so when, because it's safe because you're now uk hypnosis academy that's our company yeah and carl smith hypnotherapy yeah,
0: yeah. um and it has been for a, a few years when i saw you in man Chester, that's several years ago now. Time just goes boom.
1: Yeah.
0: That was with Um, Chris. You you were still
1: hypnosis academy, was it UK? Me and Chris Gillies. Yeah, me and Chris. Yeah, me and Chris. We uh we started off, basically me and Chris started off and then um we'd been with me and Chris I, I love Chris to bits, and uh, and I know he loves me to bits. But on the same token, we were fucking dangerous with each other because uh, <laughs> we we could never achieve fuck all. We couldn't. I mean, we did, and we still have laughs now. And if he's what if he watches this, I'll just say and he knows exactly what that is. It's uh, it's to do with um, uh, a scene out of uh, Lee Evans, and it used to be mm-hmm. something that's funny. But but you know, when you got two 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 people that are the, that are the same personalities, the business was going, uh, I had, a, because I'm a qualified teacher as well, I uh, I used to be a firearms instructor, so I had to be a qualified teacher, adult That's education, all that type of stuff, so I had a, a mindset of curriculums, this, that, and the other, and, and Chris had more of performance and stage, and so we were we were good mates, and it grew initially, but then all of a sudden we just parted, and and it just went like that, really, a uh, series of events that just went went wrong, and we, we look back now and we've been out drinking with each other and had a laugh and a joke now. So he still, he still keeps in contact every so often. So, um, But I haven't had a Christmas card off him yet. And it's, what, we're we in April now. <laughs> so no, he's, good. he's all good.
0: Oh, please don't break up sound. We lost sound. I'm going to ring you back. can edit it together you say something? No? Okay, I'll... yeah, so if you're wondering why you now got a static picture of Carl on screen it's because because everyone's at home for coronavirus, COVID-19 lockdown on the 1st of April 2020, everyone's on yes. the internet so our internet's reduced and we lost the picture so I'm going to have to do the rest of this bit with sound only and that's why you'll have a nice static picture of Carl on yeah, the screen. Yeah. He just told us, um, yeah, we, we just uh, lost Carl before at the point where he was telling us about his friend Chris Gillies and how Hypnosis Academy UK w- w- was going on and then they, they, they split and went their own paths and he yeah, yeah. morphed into UK Hypnosis Academy, which is Carl's company. And yeah, I was yeah. just about to say to him, did you know that Chris and his um, psychic
1: medium mum, I, I originally taught them both. Well, no, I didn't actually. No. So that's quite interesting. No, I never knew about that. But no, I mean, I've uh, I've met Chris's mum before and I knew I knew that she did do psychic psychic work and stuff like that. But no, uh, you know, we had fun times, Chris. I I, I think I saw him about a year, 18 months ago. Now we were in London. We met him in London. But uh, no, no, it's always interesting to hear where people have learned and stuff like that. But no, you know, we had great times. and, And what I wanted to do is 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 define the company and when i did a quick search there was no uk hypnosis academy so that's why i chose the name really and then um because of my background of teaching and stuff like that what we were able to do is then um, um put curriculums around stuff um and you know not go too arty with it but what we did do then is we we were able to then put curriculums in assessments in to make sure that we were letting people go with a, you know, that we passed a satisfaction test for one of the better words, you know, because obviously there's no, legal governing bodies with uh, clinical medical or or legal governance within England that's why when we see all these poor bastards joining joining these associations what they don't realize is they're just paying for somebody's holiday and they've got no legal governance at all exactly Um, yeah you know they just don't realize it you know and it's 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 a very sad thing you know and um, but anyway you know I've never been part of it I've never been part of any organization and I seem to have thrived so that just proves a point but um, but yeah, so we just put curriculums in and um, the other members of my team were ex um, police and stuff like that, and then we all put the curriculums together and then we were able to put the diploma together and and other courses, so people could go out and do it. and then eventually, as you know, we've now got about I think between I think it's about fifteen active trainers at the moment, so we've got them in Australia, uh, Holland, um, all over the United Kingdom, America. So we've got trainers going out and delivering our product. Um, as we as we want it with the curriculum and an assessment and they love it you know that's the key thing about it it's it's got structure to it Um, so it keeps the the, my idea and concepts of what I think going on in hypnosis pure really in the way that I like it but they can add their flair to it you know so yeah it's all good so it's been able to build we've been able to build a company so it's really good actually and um, you know like I said I can't remember how many companies are taught countries are taught in now but I've just cancelled Hong Kong I was meant to be in Hong Kong next this week i was meant to be in hong kong this week this week i was meant to be flying to hong kong and then the following week i was in um, new zealand teaching and that just collapsed so i've only got i've only got a couple of places destinations left this year but the rest of it will just be home i think this year to be quite honest is slightly written off for most of us uh if you're watching this during after covid but this year we're gonna have to wait and see what happens i think every everyone's in that situation at the present moment in time
0: it's um well, I hate to use the word, and it's on every news programme, but we're in unprecedented times.
1: Oh, God, yeah. And the thing is, is that business is up in the air at the moment. Everyone's up in the air. I mean, you know, I've got some gracious people that, that just said, look, it's just postponed. And I've had some people that have been really nasty about courses and, and costs and stuff like that. And, you're just not seeing it at the moment that businesses, you know, everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's literally just waiting to see when their next paycheck's coming in. And I get it, I really do. But you know that some of the vile stuff I've been seeing and some of the vile ways that people have been acting is 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 unprecedented. But but on the same token, there's been some really gracious people out there as well. So yeah, was, all's was good.
0: Um. You know me. I'll go where other people weren't. But I mean, on the one hand, that, that, that's kind of easy for you to say, though, isn't it? Because I'm guessing you've got um, police and army pensions. I don't yet. Not, not yet. You know, no. I, thought,
1: I no. thought ill health. You got. Bit earlier uh, i wasn't ill health off i wasn't ill health off uh i was um i would res- i resigned just due to the fact that i was sick and tired of bureaucracy so i don't get my pension like everybody else uh yeah i'm i might be wrong on this i think it's is it 65 55. The they keep putting it up don't they i don't know yeah I, but i've got 20 i've got i've got 24 years accumulated service on pension but no i don't actually i don't get a pension no, I haven't oh got a pension. No, okay I thought no, with I the yeah I left on my own volition. I could have, if I wanted to, I could have, um, but I didn't. I enjoyed my job that much, especially on the firearms teams, that, that I actually wanted to get back to work. And I, you know, now looking back at it, I could have limped off and just said, "I can't work anymore. I can't carry weight." That would have worked. I could have got a pension. I could have got a pension there and then. But but the um, well, that's not the kind of person you are. Now, I didn't want to, I wanted to carry on and, you know, and it it helped with my rehabilitation because even though I say, look, you know, it's the same as, and you know this as well as well as I do, mate, is that, you know, even though that that initial session uh, had done dramatic results I still needed rehabilitation because I'd had years and years of my body being subjected to to emotional torture you know you know you can't go to war zones and not pick this shit up you know Kosovo in 99 when we were when when we went down the Kachanic defile and what we saw going through what was being ethnically cleansed at that time and you just can't forget that stuff I mean I, I, I don't need I don't bring it up now but it's a case of I still needed time to for my head to percolate really all of that stuff that's a lovely yeah. word today, isn't it? Perculate. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, but I still needed time really to, to sort myself out because even though it was a high impact that first session with, with, with that hypnotist, that police officer at the time, I still needed to rejig my head. And, and being back in an environment where I knew I was safe, I had income and stuff like that was, 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 was part of the rehabilitation. So while I was in the police, I was able to learn hypnosis to then self-help. But like we know, you know, and it's it's the same as everybody really. You know, we get people that join the profession, um, that that see me travel the world, well, see you doing what you're doing, and many other different people. You know, many other, uh, you know, trainers and stuff like that. They think, oh, well, I can go do that, but actually, they haven't got over their own shit. They haven't got over their own problems. There's still a walking, talking time bomb, and that I probably was for the first two years of my career. Uh, you know I was still still trying to find myself and and find where my journey was going to lay out and it still took time but um, um, I'd be a lot I'd be allowed to say that was fixed overnight I was dramatically better but I still needed to rehabilitate so being in the police um, and then making a decision to leave on my own volition that that was that was really important to me that was really really important so when I did leave I left on my terms and then I, uh, I walked straight out and started, started the business. And for the first time in 24 years, Her Royal Highness Lizzie was not paying me anymore. And <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and, and the money stopped. And then you start going into survival mode. And, and survival mode is where you then then realize this shit's real and i've got to earn and work to make more money i'm not being paid by her majesty anymore i'm now having to do it myself and and that was really that survival instinct was the key thing for me really to to accelerate what i was doing i knew if i didn't work i wasn't getting paid it was the first time i'd ever been self-employed in my life
0: right well i mean there's more of you start for for listeners viewers at home uh get yourself on uh Amazon type in uh Cal Smith, that's with a K, you should guess that, because it says it underneath the video. Mm-hmm. But uh look out there's a book, there's no D in PTSD. Yeah. Um which tells you more about Cal's journey and also uh the journey and background of other people uh dealing with and overcoming yeah. what we term post traumatic stress disorder, but as the title of the book
1: suggests there is no um, d yeah there's no d well, there's not a disorder well do you, do you know where that came from and i, I always tell these stories that when, when i was when i had post-trauma i didn't know a lot about it to be brutally honest and mm-hmm. stiff upper lip, old boy i mean you know when the omar bomb happened in in 98 the first thing they did was give us a crate of lager to try and get over what had happened in omar right. um and in kosovo as well we were drinking slivovich to try and just keep ourselves straight and a lot of people that are ex-military that are listening to this may just go yeah well, i understood that but you know i get that because that's what happened but um, when I was in search of trying to find out what post-traumatic stress is um, and post-traumatic stress disorder is, I went to Wikipedia. Now, don't shoot me down. That was one of the only things that we had at the time. And, you know, it was a reference for me and I was stupid reading it. But one of them was, is it said it said about post, it said about traumatic, then it said about stress and then disorder. It said broken toilet door. and, I, and I, <laughs> the, the toilet door was uh, was out of order and was what in the- disorder. And I, and I kept going. I'm not a fucking toilet door. I'm not a toilet door. And in that bit there, that statement, and I've done a million. Well, many...
0: ironically, they're kind of quite close in a twisted manner, in so much as when the toilet door's broken, the toilet's probably been vandalised, and it's probably full of shit. <laughs> yeah. and when, you're in, when you've got shell shock or post-traumatic stress issues, you, you're carrying unnecessary shit around.
1: Yeah unbelievably yeah that's what it is emotively and physically as well you carry it around and and the thing is that 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 was the part really and the reason that I I I chose the name there's no D in PTSD is because I want people to reframe it because Mm. you know you get therapists nowadays oh and I get it I I really get it because I work with post-trauma on a daily basis now but but the key thing is is that when I was first taught the trainer that I had from that company that I mentioned earlier that aren't going to get any more advertising they um they she said to me post-traum hypnosis and post-traumatic stress in studies it's been shown that hypnosis makes it worse and i was like really but i got here this is where my intrigue kicked in and then you know i was like no and i sat there in the class no i said i'm here because hypnosis did me World of good, it really, really worked. And she went, No, 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 there's no way, Carl. And she she just would not allow me to say, Look, you know, I think you're wrong. And that's where, what made me want to go down well, the road There studies that
0: say that. Well, that was like using regression to regression yeah. type techniques, mental mind rape, as I call it. Of course, that's going to make you yeah. nervous.
1: Well, regression, of course, is useless with post-traumatic stress disorder because post-trauma is accumulation of stress factors so mm-hmm. it's a bit of an accumulation you can't keep going and regressing back to the cause on every single issue because that's torture you don't want to be doing that and that's why i use content free hypnosis that's why i drop people in as hard as i can until the subconscious unconscious monkey brain let go of whatever it is now and they act like a pressure cooker when they do that and that's the key thing for me so uh, it's a very simple and, and effective technique that i just use on a daily basis on my youtube channel and you know anyone who wants to learn about it please just take that information and make it your own but if you're using regression to cause with post-trauma, you have got to hit every single thing that's been stored. You're not going to collapse it in a one. That, that's 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 my opinion on that. And if anyone differs with it, that's fine. Please please let me know your thoughts. But on the same token, I don't agree with, with regression. I totally
0: agree with you. in people's mind, uh, as I always refer to it, uh, for anything, post-trauma, yeah. anything. It doesn't matter what it is. I think it's uh, frankly unethical because uh, it's completely unnecessary and you can help the people quicker and without them having to go through that, reliving the traumas.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, yeah, but no, but no, that was good now. So, yeah. You, I'm you, just
0: you you've got um, kind of, I'm not saying it, well, there is, there's nothing new on the planet. There's just new ways of putting things together. That's the same for mm. all of us that teach stuff. But well, you formulated your approach that you call Kinetic Shift. Yeah. Uh, so can you tell the listeners a little bit about what what, what that is, what it involves?
1: Okay. So Kinetic Shift, there is nothing new. And I will tell students this. It's the way that it's packaged and the prestige that you deliver it. And that yeah. is what Kinetic Shift is. Kinetic Shift is, in my opinion, um, about getting the client into a belief system that something fundamentally is never going to happen. It's about using seven stages of modalities, of, of um, motion, of actually like physical suggestions. It's about getting people to, to feel and understand that something tr- is happening to them at this moment in time. There's confusion techniques, there's calibration through it, it's modalities, predominantly modalities. But the way that we do it with the energy side of things as well, we talk about a little bit about energy and about physics, not as in woo-woo energy, unicorn mm-hmm. stroking. It's about it's about talking about the build up. What I'm doing is I'm building up, building up, building up, building up to the show and then bang, hitting them with kinetic shift. And that's exactly what it is. It's 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 all about. The way that seven elements are delivered to a client and we get get dramatic results with it. And there is no such thing as a silver bullet. Anyone listening to this, anyone who thinks there's a silver bullet to anything, look, I've used it for post-trauma. I predominantly use it for post-trauma. And that's how I how I came about it. It's just by using seven different techniques that I'd learned around the globe. From different people and thought, well, that'd work well. Well, that that'd work well with that, and that'd work well with that, and and I'm I'm very open and honest about that. It's about the prestige, about the delivery, and about how you how you do it. So that's what we teach our students, and it, it works very well. And you know, at the end of the day. Um, yeah I thoroughly enjoyed teaching it you know but like you know like I said there's there's nothing new but on the same token kinetic shift is fun it is really good fun actually and we do get some really cracking results and when you're watching people they look like they're having exorcisms it's, it's really good fun as well not, not that in a torturous way but it's good fun that they're having an experience they're understanding that something something fundamentally is happening in their body and they know that something's happening so it's a very kinesthetic very kinesthetic approach yeah so it's it's great fun and it like i said the name of it kinetic shift kinetic meaning movement movement and energy yeah shift shift meaning meaning, change a movement change Yeah, yeah it's about it's about it basically it's about 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 reconnecting what i would consider three brains are the gray matter the heart and then the gut the primary brain being the gut in my personal opinion and i think that's where the subconscious unconscious lives but the thing is, is that that that, that re- reconnecting those three parts up there and giving people a sensation and a feeling that something is really happening, giving them a belief. You know, some people may say, well, you're just being a charlatan. Well, you know, at the end of the day, this works. You know, carry on taking the drugs if you don't like it.
0: Well, not exactly. It's results that matter. Um, you, you mentioned no. modalities. Now, in terms of taking the name, kinetic shift, movement, move, change, I assume one of those particular... Uh, modalities is movements like the old nlp where's the feeling in you what directions it's spinning what color it is and all that kind of malarkey yeah, they,
1: changing them money. Yeah. Yeah. no there's no spinning involved in it there's none like that there's nothing like spinning in that it's about it's about it's about finding out what the algorithm is um, because obviously the brain doesn't work in words and verbs it works in colors and algorithms it's about finding out what that color and algorithm is upstairs reconnecting it with the part of the body that's being affected by it, and then and then doing a series of events that would rip it out pull it out or, or or push it out whatever it needs to do but that's what we do yeah so we're doing the mind body reconnect that way
0: so you so you, you mentioned in pulling out pushing out call it what you will Are you saying that method I'm not going to say meta i didn't mean metaphysically i meant metaphorically or yeah, metaphorically. are you purposely intending to cause some kind of um a reaction of this kind of signpost to the person that something's definitely changed
1: well the key thing is yeah yeah so if we can alert a state if we can find out exactly what it is it's playing up so initially the, the, the mind-body detox, sorry, the mental detox that I do, which is on my YouTube channel, the, the mental detox video, what we do is we can ascertain what's really playing up. And this is the difference between hypnosis and psychotherapy. the psyche, if, you do, if you perform a hypnosis session properly, it will give you a series of shit that's been happening, but then predominantly hand you on a plate what's really going on. And my job then is to isolate that and then reconnect that with the part of the body that may well be affected by it but that's what we do, a series of investigations and finding out where that is, and then asking the subconscious unconscious monkey brain to let go. Um, and then and then then doing it that way, um, it can either be via a metaphorical journey or by physically watching you move your hands around to try and push it out a little bit mesmer- mesmeric, to be quite honest. So, I mean, what I, from what you have just said is it's flexible. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got people. There's videos in our group. Honestly, people. I, my job as a teacher is to give people ideas, concepts, and thoughts. Their job is to go away and make it their own. That's the way I look at as being a trainer and a teacher. I always have done, except for when you know we're shooting guns. You can't do it underneath your elbow and all that type of stuff. Oh yeah, fair enough. Context comes into it. but it's still very prescriptive, same as when I was teaching firearms, it's very prescriptive. But after, you know, recent terrorist attacks and stuff like that, fact they found out that it couldn't be so prescriptive. And that's why, you know, a lot of the tactics change. But but the idea is, is that you move with, you know, instead of having a convoluted process that you would in the police to, to try and change something, what we encourage people to do is go out and, and really, really, if this is what we do, this is the foundation, bugger off and tell us how you get on with it. And we've had people doing... Oh, we had somebody do a past life regression and do kinetic shift whilst they were doing the past life regression. I've never heard of it before. I never taught it, but they did it and it worked and it worked for the client. And that You know, this is all comes down to the client, doesn't it? It's got nothing to do with us. It's to do with the client and what they do and how they perceive things and how they let go. And that's the key thing there um but yeah yeah we have fun with it you know it's it's there's no it's no cultism there's some cults out there and i don't like all that shite it's about you know just making sure that the students walk away with something that they know that works that they can make their own and that's the key fundamental things i was watching a video the other day of somebody doing kinetic shift and i thought that's well that's got nothing to do and then i watched it and i thought oh hang on a minute i see what they've done there now and that's great and i don't get arsey about that stuff I, I, i'm really into that i'm really into people just making it their own because that's what we do I'll, You'll. you'll Jonathan and I'm me you know at the end of the day mm. we had a discussion off air didn't we you like certain things and I don't I can't be arsed with it I really can't but yeah. you know we've both got both got a common thing with hypnosis same as anybody anyone who's got a disagreement in it you know it doesn't really matter you know we, we're all doing the same thing we're working for our clients we're not working for ourselves it's just egos that get in the way sometimes so you know it's just different different approaches we've all got our own point of view on, and it's like we both agree on the hypnosis induction you know that's just a fucking that's just a myth you know that's just a play act that's just all, all the hypnosis induction is it's just the end of a process to be quite honest not the start of the process right. you don't even need to
0: seeming induction. ritualistic process that ties in with the
1: uh expectations exactly and that's exactly what i was talking about with kinetic shift as well it ties in after you've built up and built up and built up and you execute the plan bang you know you've got that's the same as a hypnosis induction the hypnosis has started way way before and their change work has started the moment they sat down so to be quite honest you know the hypnosis induction is just part is part of the panto it's part of the pantomime season
0: Hmm. i mean i genuinely believe and this sounds like i'm being flippant but anybody who's watched or listen to past episodes of this will know that I am totally consistent in in stating this. It doesn't matter who I'm interviewing. Some people agree. Some people disagree. That's fine. I think that, frankly, it doesn't particularly matter what you do with the client as long as it seems as though it must... Ideally, that it's a little bit out of the ordinary, things you wouldn't normally do, so that they can only rationalize it internally as they must be doing this for a reason they clearly know what they're doing because you're the perceived authority figure and you put it across with confidence and positive intent and so they can only come to the conclusion that you must be doing it because you've done it numerous times before and it's worked so therefore it's going to work for them and once they believe that doesn't particularly matter what pantomime
1: ritual Um, therapy you do um, you doesn't into it it should work yeah exactly and that's that's what i was talking about with kinetic shifting and stuff like that it's about building up a belief that something fundamental is now going to change in their life and then giving them an experience so they believe that something just happened now we can sit here and talk about science pseudoscience we can talk about all placebos and blah 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 all day long that's a different show that is but on the same token if that client walks out of there and after the pantomime after that what we've done the 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 belief ritual in some ways if they walk out and they feel better and they are better my job's done yeah some people may call it charlatan they may call it um you know falsely i don't care my my relationship is not with the people that are you know standing outside of the arena it's the people that are in the arena that are working with me if they fundamentally change um then so be it. I mean, I've got rid of fears and phobias before by building up the belief and then saying, when I drop this pen in a moment and it hits the table, your fear and phobia are gone. But I've built it up so much that Mm -hmm. when it does happen, it happens. And that happens. And, you know, when anyone that's new to this profession, you know, you'll probably learn as you go along that you can, you've got to learn consistently. And that's all I've ever done. And I've just watched how people have reacted. And it's great I love doing it you know I love doing it I love staying fundamental I like staying with the the basics and stuff and also like digging around as well you know it's that's what you've got to do you've got to be intrigued while you're intrigued that's the happy thing about this job this profession
0: how much of an advantage do you think it was to you when you you segued into uh, hypnosis the fact that you'd been you that you were at the time in the police because uh um, the context of that I mean is that Police is a perceived authority figure. Yeah. Um, the uniform itself is hypnotic to people. Generally, it's either going to cause one or two reactions: obedience yeah. and compliance, or aggression yeah. and what's it? Uh, yeah. You'd already come from an area where, arguably, there were hypnotic reactions
1: and situations occurring within your work. No, I think, I think, um, I think with um the authority, I think with the the police inside of it i'm able to walk up to anybody and start a conversation i have one of those gifts i've been you know i was quite a shy boy when i was growing up i you know i couldn't i didn't want to be in plays i didn't want to be on stage i didn't want to read recite recite and talk in front of people I hated that i really despised it but um i think when i joined the military the confidence in myself being able to stand in front of people and deliver lessons like chemical biological radio and nuclear bloody lessons and that type of stuff and then joining the police and becoming a firearms instructor and having to do some really convoluted lessons on on post incident management of police firearms incidents and stuff made me develop a skill of being able to stand and talk to anyone and then obviously being a police officer and in the army as well you have to be able to talk to people you have to be able to find out information gather intelligence um find out what the local mood is you know and stuff like that and you know when you've got your local piss heads outside the nightclubs and stuff like that you've got to be able to stand there and, and talk like they are you've got you've got to be able to and I don't like using this I'd build that rapport for whatever of a better way for people that are just starting it. Building that 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 opening up that conversation, I think that that dramatically helped me. Watching people's body language is huge as well. Obviously, being a police officer, you can watch people's body language, which you're continuously watching body language, which then comes into this career where I'm watching body language non-stop. So I actually intuitively I actually thought it was intuition, but actually I just thought, well, no, this is something I've learned through years and years and years of watching people and then being able to walk up to people and watching their demeanor watching what their their language is and being able to you know you know talk to them in 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 a a way that's uncondescending do you know what i mean it's Mm. um you know you're right you're i'm I'm able to bring the skill pattern that i that i had there of being able to just to stand there and just say hello to somebody in the street because that's what people want they want to be able to speak to people you've got to be able to speak to people and say look you know, you're not doing something right here. You know, and and then do it that way. So I think that all of those things there, that they, from a past life, really give me that. And I've noticed as well, anyone that comes from a service background or a uniform background does really, really well. Actually, they they well, everyone does really well. I should see this, but I actually found that the ones that, that wear uniform or have worn uniform really excel quite quickly in the classroom, um, because of their confidence. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hmm so yeah so i hope that Excellent. helps yeah i'm um, not, not saying that you none of you if you've never served or anything like that i'm not saying that you won't i'm just saying that they develop far quicker that's all i'm saying
0: yeah um and i suspect an element of that as well is as um that when you've been in those services and you have your higher ranking officer teaching you stuff for example. Or telling you stuff giving you commands whatever mm. you get used to unquestionably unquestionably i can't even say the bloody yeah. questionably obeying them So yeah there, yeah, is, yeah. Less, absolutely right. there is less that there's likely to be you know they're going to accept right i'm here i'm going to learn off cow and not question it because they've, they've got that acceptance and perceive the same dynamic going on whereas yeah. a lot of people who haven't been through that kind of background will let their own preconceived ideas or or whatever get in the way and question things a bit too much that puts them off actually starting using it
1: yeah 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 and i think that's that's probably right really is that you know we're just used to being given instructions or giving instructions so it's quite simple so for us to learn you know i have to keep it simple stupid mate i you know i left school with no qualifications and then I went off and, and then and then prattled around with doing an ONC and engineering and stuff and and then to be quite honest, you know, I've never been a very academic a- academic person, but but the third the. The thing is is that i've learned from I'm, I'm the type of person I'm very if you give me something i can pull it apart you give me an engine i'll pull it apart and i'll put it back together and that's the type of way that i work as well and i think that you know a lot of people that i work within the police are very practical it's a very pragmatic approach i think you've got to look at it that way as well so yeah we're, we we are able to just dissect things and do things quite quickly well i am not that's not saying everybody of course
0: results will vary um, Yes, yeah. as they say on the adverts um, okay, so just a couple more questions. because when, when this gets edited to the other bit, but we lost the moving picture. Um, we will then be very close to being on our on on, on our hour or just over. So yes. beneath the video, people at home, I want to remind you again, there will be a link to Amazon for Carl's book. There's no Dean PTSD. There will be a link to uh, the UK Hypnosis Academy website, where you can find out more about Carl's uh, courses and home study products and whatnot. Um, there will be a link to Carl's YouTube channel, where there's just like mine, where I give away tons of free training. So does Carl. He, he, you know, he, he's he's the same. He gives away tons of quality content. So that link will be there for you to go and click on as well. Um, so to kind of bring the well, no, there's there's two final questions. The first one is this: a lot of schools of therapy poo-poo, and you know, I don't definitely don't I I teach people rapid uh, inductions and stuff but a lot of schools of therapy will go oh rapid inductions and all that stuff it's not for the therapy room it's for it's that's for stage shows and all that malarkey now I know you agree with me that why waste time get the job done but for the viewers at home listeners can you, you explain your perspective on the rapid versus slow
1: induction debate well, I think I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, when I was first taught, it took me 15 to 20 minutes to try and get hypnosis. That was the way I was taught by that very poorly equipped company that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the thing is, is that they, they they didn't teach me about the pre-talk. If your pre-talks right in your website, if your website's right. And your pre-talk is right, as in when you're doing your beliefs and your patterns and all that lot at the very beginning, then everything will fall into place. So when you do start that induction, there's nothing stopping you looking at the same way as Dave Ellman did. Dave Ellman used to say that all his, uh, his physicians and doctors had to achieve hypnosis within three minutes. Now, you know that that you're looking at around 30 seconds and some people think you can't achieve that in three minutes yes you can if you get if you've got the ritual right at the beginning then the hypnosis um, induction will happen in less than three minutes without a shadow of a doubt but for those training colleges that seem to think that rapid and instance are are for just for the stage and for the performance or Mm -hmm. it's for the ego of the hypnotist it's because they're failed psychotherapists teaching a subject they don't really know that's that's my opinion on that these are people i i get slow i get slow and i work with trauma on a daily basis so sometimes if i've got somebody jittery i will slow my process down to ease them in to make them feel better and obviously that's part of my my skill set to make people feel much more comfortable and safe yeah. and i will slow things down but to say that that rapid and instance uh are only for stage that's just poorly trained hypnotists teaching a subject that they don't know if you want my brutal answer on that
0: no cool uh, well I, I, I did and i got it excellent <laughs> um, which segues into sod it before i ask you the final question I'm gonna, there's this other debate in the uc and i know you stay away from forums pretty much but you do see it uh and year at conferences maybe you no know, it's slightly lesser these days people are becoming a little bit more um open-minded i think but there was, there used to be the, oh, well, there still is been a lot of the so-called general hypnotherapy register and all that bollocks, those winky-wanky societies. You, if you're a member of us, you can't do stage hypnosis shows. And mm. I always think, hang on a minute, if it wasn't for stage hypnotists, like, and I'm going to throw oh. some names out, Orman McGill was a stage yeah. hypnotist, more so than a the therapist. Yeah. Uh, Tom Silver, who's still with us, thank God, he got over his um, illness, Um you know stage hypnotist more so than a therapist although he is a therapist now predominantly yeah. um dave alman was a stage hypnotist at bordevaal yeah yeah um flipping paul um, McKen- Bill boyne was a stage hypnotist richard Bandler used to be a stage hypnotist for christ's mm. sake
1: it's like i said then paul mckenna you yeah. know a lot a lot of people forget that Paul McKenna was obviously a DJ first. Then he became a stage hypnotist and went on national TV. And then he then he started doing therapy work. You know, my personal opinion on all of this is that I personally think that every person that becomes a therapist should at least go do a stage course or a performance course to understand. We get these people going. Oh yes, yes, but that's just street hypnosis. You can't do that. You can't be part of our club. Well. I don't want to be part of your club because I'm watching the poor curriculums and the poor standard of people that you're pumping out. and I don't want to be anywhere near it. I want to differentiate. Yes, you've got a badge. It's the same as a rat and a squirrel, isn't it? The only difference between a rat and a squirrel is a PR company. You know, they're both the same animal. They're both the same animal. And that's the thing. And uh, you know at the end of the day they're both the same they're both the same creature they're just one's got a fluffy tail if a squirrel walks in everyone goes ah if a rat walks in everyone goes ooh. you know and that's the same thing about it and the way that you've got to look at it is, is the pr strategy behind these people yes they've got momentum and yes they've got this that and the other but are they're, and they make it look like they're credible but they're not really credible some of the shite they're pumping out and when you're in the reason you brought it up a minute ago the reason i'm out of all of these forms is not because i don't want to help people my YouTube channel's got about 140 odd videos on it. I'm pumping up at every day at the moment, videos as best I can. But but the key thing is, is that I'm sick and tired of people saying, have you got a script? These are these are people that are on these amazing registers. Um, have you got a script for bulimia? Um, has anyone got a script for post-traumatic stress disorder? Has anyone got a script? And these are people that are pumped out by credible badges. I do not want to be anything or anywhere near that shite. I don't want to be near it. And I'm not saying that everybody that's pumped out by these people and they are pumped out. They are pumped out like a little sausage factory. Not everybody comes out like that. But I will say that 90 percent, the reason the high, the the reason that there's a high failure rate within hypnosis and hypnotherapy is their initial training, their confidence and their lack Mm -hmm. of marketing skills. And these these organizations do not give a shit. They don't care. And if you look at some of them, the training manager of the training company is also married to the accreditation um, company that's attached to that company as well. And you can go look on. That's the majority of them, actually. Yeah, they are. It's a business when people realize that they're being sucked into a business uh, and. I've never been associated with any of the badges and I've been able to teach in over 30 countries now. I've never been associated to any of them and I've got a full-time business. I've never been associated to them and I get on on a daily basis and doing what I'm doing. I do not need a badge with any of these um, companies that have got no legal, clinical or medical governance within the United Kingdom. None. I've got no need for it. None none whatsoever. And if you type in .gov, if you go to .gov, the website especially for those in England or go to your, your national wherever you are listening to this if you go to England and type in gov you come up with the UK webs uh, the UK um, uh, government website if you type in chiropractor it will show you um, the criteria to become a become a chiropractor if you type in osteopath it shows you about the osteopathy uh, osteopathic register that you have to be part of if you type in counselling it comes up with a couple of little bits and bobs but no governing authority If you type in hypnosis, nothing comes up. There is no legal, clinical or medical governance in the United Kingdom. So at the end of the day, um, they just waffle. And I just feel really sorry for the people that pay into it. But on the same token, if it makes them feel cosy and warm, you do that. You fill your boots. Yeah, Uh, well, you know, a lot of them perhaps think, oh, but if I'm
0: in that, hey, it's going to help me get clients, which it doesn't. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Uh, They either think, oh, well, I'll get cheaper insurance, which is nonsense because – You know, I get my students insurance anywhere from 40 to 70 quid a year. Um, It depends on, well, it depends on God knows, because, as you know, insurance companies are a law unto themselves. But the fact is, the point is, both you, me, can get our students insurance as cheap, sometimes cheaper than the members of these societies are getting. And yet they're being told they're getting it cheaper because they're paying the yearly subs.
1: Yeah, and, and 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 I can produce a better newsletter than some of the shite they're producing as well. My newsletters are better, and yours are as well, because they're on YouTube, you know, at the end of the day, that's we're giving them proof, but not, 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 you know, not these little journeys and stuff. But yeah, anyway, I, I, that's another story, that is, that's another day.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's just it is it's sad there's people out there that end up going spending a fortune on these, because they think, well, by doing that, they're getting a, a badge of honour, as it were, and the truth is, the only person that means anything to, when it comes down to it, is themselves it's the wizard of Oz see
1: it's because they've been caught but but the other thing as well is is that they could save that money and put it to good use on a good fundamental Facebook ad get more clients from that marketing yeah yeah. yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, it's like the other day, I was advertising in Women's Institute. I mean, that, who would have thought that? But Women's Institute uh, asked me to do something, and I did something for their magazine, put an advert in it, and I just got inundated with all these people that had anxieties and stuff. I, up the Institute, and I ended, up with the, ended up doing a talk for them. And it's just like, you know, these things happen, you know, you know, spending, spending your money wisely in marketing and, and point, point yourself out, then, you know, it happens and it's better it's better there's better ways to spend your money god god bless all those people who want to do it and in a couple of years time you'll realize what we're on about if you are if staunchly against what i'm saying and for those people who agree well you, you've obviously passed that threshold and realized what a load of pompous ass shit it is so um i was going to try not to swear on this podcast but you seem to make me swear <laughs> i
0: have this effect on people believe me if you look yeah. at some of the past episodes people you would not dream would ever say a swear word suddenly end up yeah it's quite amusing um so yeah to finish up the question i ask everyone at the end because the beginning and ends always the same and that is um whilst attempting where possible not to go over ground we've already covered which is probably going to be a bit difficult with this one but what would your off the top of your head your top three tips be to anyone listening to this who, who at the moment may have only read a book or watched a dvd they've not been on any live courses they've not done any home study proper course or anything but Mm. they've got a desire to what would your advice be to them to help them reach their goals as it were
1: right so the first thing is is that if you are learning online and you've not done anything else my my opinion is and I, I answer this question on a daily basis with people that contact me is that you can learn you can learn to, to ride a bike by, by reading a book, but until you physically put it in action and refine those skills, yeah. that's going to happen so my advice would be uh, the first piece of advice is uh, please 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 home study you know please look at different approaches you know um look at different ways find one that matches you okay you know for years and years i thought myself oh, i need to learn ericksonian i need to learn ericksonian then i realized i am not an ericksonian hypnotist i don't want to be an hip- ericksonian hypnotist i'm a very elmanic very direct hypnotist so I, the, I had to learn that uh, the truth I, I said, is erickson was a shit hypnotist well, he was. He used to drug people up, didn't he? Well, I said that wrong then. What he used to yeah, do is he, well, just... he,
0: did. he did drug people. Um, yeah. I have a, I'm sorry, I'm going to put a blatant product, uh, product plug in, but I have a product called The Biology of Hypnosis. And there is a roughly hour and a half section of that where I just look at the printed documented proof. And by printed documented proof, I mean things that Erickson himself wrote himself, published himself, and bought out um where he admits to putting people in catatonic states and then putting them in a a stress position at an angle against walls and leaving them for hours because he found it amusing he literally abused patients in psychiatric units for his own merriment and amusement yeah
1: so yeah so yeah you've got to find you've got to find your own path you've got to find um, where you want to be don't try to be an Ericksonian hypnotist sorry th- so this would be my second fact is that don't try to be Erickson don't try to be Gil Boyne don't try to be yeah. El. don't try to be Paul McKenna don't try to be me don't try to be Jonathan be you that's what I would say is add your own flair to it nobody ever taught me to be the way that I am now Um, I'm very direct swear a lot and I use the c-bomb in my sessions and Mm -hmm. I and if they if they use it and I don't mind because it's whatever the client's language is be who you are Um, and and see just just make sure that you're in a you're in the right place to deliver a good product like I said at the beginning when I was When I first started out, I was still looking for the golden fleece, and we still see it in today's world where lots of therapists are coming into this profession and they are not firing on all cylinders. The cheese has slid off the cracker. They are not um all well and they, they shouldn't really be practicing because they're still on their journey and and you know just yeah. be honest with yourself you have to be honest with yourself and i had to sit i had to slap myself a couple of times and go do you know what mate you're not fucking you're not fixed yet you're not you're not quite fixed you know you shouldn't be doing this not and, and i'd hold back and i'd come back a little bit and I'd, I'd hold off and and until eventually i went no all the night the nightmares have gone the, the the crap's gone and and i was able to do it so i, I would strongly suggest that you be honest with yourself and if you need if you if you're taking up being a hypnotherapist and you still feel you need work doing on you don't be ashamed to go ask people and ask yourself that feeling that you're going through if you think that you are still what shit that you've got to deal with feel that and now that's what your client feels like when then they're coming to you so you know get yourself in the mind right mindset mind, mind frame to do what you're doing so that'd be my advice
0: Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, viewers at home, look at the links below this video. Go and check out the free content on YouTube. Go and check out Carl's website. Go and grab a copy of his book off Amazon and, uh, yeah, get in contact with Carl um, via email, via his website. If you've got any particular questions, don't send him emails to go, I disagree with you because he's already told you. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Simple as. Cheers, Cal. You're an absolute star. Much Thanks very much, all the best guys
1: that are listening to this, and I wish you all well.
0: See you next week for another edition. Well, it won't be next week because we're on lockdown. It'll be tomorrow another one goes live. All right. Catch you soon, viewers. Bye for now. Thank you.